Hey, thanks for downloading the podcast. And remember, if you want to listen live, download the iHeartRadio app, download the TuneIn app, and just search for Fantasy Sports Radio Network, and you can listen to this program live. Also, if you want to watch the video of this podcast, check us out on YouTube, on Twitch, or on Periscope, and type in, you guessed it, Fantasy Sports Network. You'll find us there. Enjoy the show, and thanks for listening. Best friends forever. Best friends forever. Best friends forever. Fantasy 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 best friends Big guy, important things. But I'm not alone. I'm joined by the all-in kid who is sticking around doing some overtime here on the Best Friends Forever. Jake, what's going on, man? <laughs> that's the intro now? That, that's what you guys are doing? Uh, the fact that you don't know by now that that was the intro means you haven't been watching all week, so that makes me a little sad. Uh, it's, I've been a little busy this week. I'm sorry. I'm sorry <laughs> I'm trying to get ready for the NFL season. Yeah, speaking of which... Jake, we have a game tonight, but I know you're probably not excited about it, are you? It's not a game. It's not a game. That's not what we <laughs> it's have. It's a preseason game. A game. It's something. It's not. It's just it's extended practice is what tonight is. How long do you think the starters stay in? A series. A series, right? But people are going to yeah. get hyped up about Lamar Jackson. I guarantee you that. Uh, and I guarantee a lot. He's probably going to be like 80% owned in DFS tonight. Oh, God. I can't even imagine DFS preseason for one game. That is a... Uh... That's insane. Uh, so what do you think about the intro? Why didn't you join me in singing it? Um, because I like quality music, and that was not. <laughs> really? You're telling me you never jammed to that song back in, I don't know when it came out, no, late 90s, early you, 2000s? I never, I never jammed to that song in my entire life. I could at least appreciate some Third Eye Blind, but not that. Sorry, no. So here's the thing, right? Like Third Eye Blind, that was our thing with Florio, myself, Greg Sussman. And I feel like we can't do it anymore because we don't have the trio around, like, it just brings up too many sad memories of losing Florio, if that makes sense. So then you need to find out who your new third is going to be and work out something with him. Definitely not the Nana, Donna, whatever that was. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. All right, so we, we did get a few requests of songs that people want us to try, one of them being uh, Song 2 by Blur. Woohoo! Uh, so, see Bavona. I, see, I, I appreciate that. Bavona, we're going to have to try that out tomorrow if we could set that up. But you could get behind that, Jake? I could definitely get behind that, but Greg has to try and sing the whatever the words are. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know how far we'll get into the song. Nobody um, knows anything after "woohoo." Yeah, absolutely. I remember that song was in like FIFA '98. Heavy metal. What was the other one? What's up? I said I think it's when I feel heavy metal, and then I said, "What song was the other one that you said?" Oh, it was the song, the song two one by Blur. Yeah. Oh, so you have one idea. You said yeah, we have ideas. one. That's one idea. I mean, people are sending us some ideas. We don't know how we feel about it. I'll look through the chat during the break. Send some more ideas. Don't let Greg there sing. You go. <laughs> Greg's yeah, been, outsource it. Greg's been getting beat up by, uh, by the YouTube commenters because apparently he's tone deaf, which is probably not, not wrong. Hey, Jet, are you going to be my girl? That's a solid one. That's a solid, that's a solid one. That's not bad either. We need something, something that's really annoying to sing along with, so that's why we tried this out. I mean, people... Do-do-do was very polarizing. It's either you loved it or you hated it. There was never any middle ground. 
That's uh, I could see that. Well, I think it's because it kind of wears after a while. The do 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 part, like that's not even the good part of the song, even if you are a fan. Yeah, I mean it's subjective, Jake. Is it? All right. Well, anyway, what we were going to talk about today, which we will get into at some point, hopefully on today's show, uh, is we were going to talk about some of the players that you shouldn't forget about during the draft season. Guys that are going a little bit later on, maybe some older veteran dudes, some guys uh, maybe dealing with suspensions, which leads me to the stat of the day, the nugget of the day, whatever we're calling it. We haven't really decided. uh, Maybe I'll get some thoughts from Jake on what we should call our stat of the day. But today, and I feel like it's relevant to you, Jake, because it's something that you have brought up uh, throughout this draft season, and even before the draft season. In the 11 games Jameis Winston started and finished, he averaged 306.9 passing yards per game, 1.73 passing touchdowns, one interception, 16-game pace, 4,900 passing yards, 27.6 TDs, 16 interceptions. That would have uh, brought him pretty close to being a top-12 tight end, or he would have been right inside that top-12. Am I right, Jake? Uh, he actually would have been, yes, inside the top 12. He would have been a QB1 last year. Actually, inside the top 10, which everybody was taking him as last year. is like QB9, I think, was his ADP at the end of the preseason. It, the, the, look, we don't ever want to extrapolate. And I said those numbers not to say I think he's definitively a top 10 quarterback. My entire point was people were taking him as a top 10 quarterback, saying he was going to take the step forward, expecting him to take a step forward. And for all intents and purposes, he took the step forward And then people were writing him off this year. So before the suspension happened, I was saying he was last year's trash because nobody was taking him as even a top 15 quarterback. He was down there with Marcus Mariota as the 17th, 18th, 19th quarterback off the board behind Jimmy Garoppolo and Pat Mahomes and even uh, like a Dak Prescott at times. But James Winston still has that same upside. Now you have to chop out the games that he's going to miss. But that was, that's what makes him somebody in a good best ball format. Let somebody else possibly draft him because you don't want to draft him because the first four out of the five weeks, he's going to, he has a buy and then the three suspension games. But when he comes back, he could be a QB1 if your QB ends up being a miss. Yeah, and I think especially in Superflex, that's what I wanted to bring up to you, like a strategy conversation. And I found some, look, these are not attractive quarterback options, but guys that go late in drafts that maybe you can pair with Winston to start the first three games until he's back. I think this is more of a super flex strategy. I don't know that I would take Winston as my QB1. Maybe he's not uh, drafted in leagues where you start only one quarterback and then you pick him up once he returns. He has the bye week in week five. So it's kind of annoying. He comes back for week four and then the bye week, but then you have the rest of the season with Winston. I'm going to bring up some of these names and you tell me if you think any of them are viable to work with Jameis Winston in a super flex strategy, Jake. The Jets quarterbacks, whoever it is, Josh McCown, Sam Darnold, first three games, Detroit, Miami, Cleveland, would pairing one of McCown or Sam Darnold with Winston interest you at all? Mm, No, because I don't want to rely on Sam Darnold to start my season. I don't want to rely on any rookie to start my season unless it's Lamar Jackson, and that's not happening. That's fair, yeah. Lamar Jackson, everyone's talking him up. Look, I know some people think that Josh McCown being the quarterback is better for the weapons to start the year, and I get it because he, he's played at an NFL level, and he, we saw him make Robbie Anderson a thing last year. We've seen him make some receivers fantasy viable in years past, but can you argue that Sam Darnold is probably better than Josh McCown at this point? Not probably. He is. It's just whether or not he's ready as a rookie. Yeah. The biggest thing with Sam Darnold is the turnovers, and he could easily, if he's starting 16 games, he could easily throw for 4,000-plus yards and throw for mid-20s touchdowns. The only problem is, this, let's say, let's give him 4,200 yards and 25 touchdowns as a full-time starter all 16 games. That's probably going to come with about 18 interceptions, and that's the issue when it comes down to Sam Darnold. 
Well, you only need him for those first three games, right? Like, theoretically, until Jameis Winston comes back. And then for the bye week, I'll throw some other names out at you. You let I'd me know. I'd rather roll with Dak Prescott. What? I said I'd rather roll with Dak Prescott for the first three weeks. Well, there you go. He's actually one of the guys that I have on the list here. He faces Carolina, the Giants, and Seattle, uh, where all those games can be competitive, maybe higher scoring games, especially with Seattle. Like, the defense is not going to be as good this year, especially with Earl Thomas wanting out. Dak Prescott's one of them. Ryan Tannehill, which is obviously very iffy, but I'm just looking at the matchups here. Tennessee, the Jets, Oakland, and then Tyrod. I think this one might make the most sense because even if he doesn't start the whole season, he's definitely going to start at least the first three games unless Hugh Jackson does something crazy, not like he's done that before. But Tyrod and the Browns play the Steelers, the Saints, and the Jets the first three weeks. So of Tyrod, Dak, Tannehill, and the Jets quarterback situation, who do you like best? And do you think this can work as like your QB2 in a super flex strategy, taking one of these guys with Jameis Winston? No, Tyrod would be the last on the list if I'm drafting Jameis Winston because look at that. You just mentioned the first two games, the Steelers and the Saints, and the Saints have a terrific defense. So you're telling me that they couldn't start 0-2 and Tyrod looks terrible and then all of a sudden Baker is in week three? Like, like, I'm just not going to roll the dice on that one. And the Baker Mayfield, I wouldn't be surprised if starting week one. I wouldn't be honestly surprised if he's not starting until week 12. It's all going to depend on how the Browns and Tyrod Taylor look. But Tyrod Taylor was also benched last year for Nathan freaking Peterman. So that's the issue with Tyrod Taylor. He's great for fantasy because of the rushing. But in real life, he's always been an adequate, not very good quarterback for winning teams. And yeah, the team, the Bills were nine and seven, all that type of stuff. But if you look at the performance, it wasn't like he was the one propelling them to nine and seven. It was a group effort similar to Trent Dilford with the Ravens back in the day. But for fantasy purposes, I would actually probably go with Ryan Tannehill while healthy. At least he's thrown, he's done it before, 4,000 yards and mid to high 20 touchdowns. I could see that like being decent first three games for him. Yeah, I think that's a good call, too. I don't think the Dolphins' defense is going to be all that great. They don't have amazing weapons there. They have Kenny Stills, Devontae Parker, who apparently looks terrible in training camp. They have Danny Amendola. So I think they're going to be trailing in some games. They're going to have to throw the ball. I just wanted to throw that out there as like a 2QB strategy. I feel like people are sleeping on Jameis Winston a little bit too much. You get him late in drafts. You pair him with a Ryan Tannehill or one of these guys, and then you figure it out uh, from there. Speaking of Baker Mayfield and Tyrod Taylor, Jake, we mentioned this a little bit on the Fantasy Football Frenzy. How are you attacking the wide receiver position right now in Cleveland? Because I know you didn't like Jarvis Landry, and I was in the same boat with you. Everything says that Tyrod Taylor, a better down-the-field thrower, uh, that lends itself more to Josh Gordon. But with Josh Gordon right now, and I know you're in drafts, like, what do you do? How far do you let Josh Gordon fall? Are you actually looking to pick up Jarvis Landry? They were talking to Des Bryant. That actually scares me even more about Josh Gordon. Maybe the team knows something we don't, and they know that Josh Gordon's going to be out longer than he actually is. What's going on with the Brown situation, and are you moving Jarvis Landry up? No, I have no, I have no insight to this. At one, case, one side of it, you can say, hey, it looks great. They're doing what they need to do to make sure Josh Gordon stays on track. And there was one beat reporter who said he's doing this mainly because of the hard knock situation and just wants to avoid the camera and the potential to goof around or anything. I, so I understand that. On the flip side, this is also, you know, does he need this throughout the season? Like, what happens if week eight rolls around and Josh Gordon needs to step away for the next three weeks? Like, I just, 
I don't know where this is going, and it doesn't make me feel good about it at all. I don't think you can take Josh Gordon as a top three wide receiver, despite the fact that he has top 20, top 15 potential. So Jarvis Landry is, as you know, you've seen me say on this network before, he's 100% relying on the amount of targets he gets, the amount of targets he gets, the amount of fantasy productions he's going to get. This Josh Gordon situation would make you feel better about him, but to go back to what you said about Tyrod Taylor, he actually had a better A dot than Jay Cutler did last year, who Jay Cutler was playing with, Jarvis Landry. So... You know, the, the whole mystique about Tyrod being a safe quarterback is actually not true. He's just, again, to go back to what I was saying before, he's just not that great of a quarterback. He's actually more aggressive than people give him credit for. So that would help Josh Gordon if Josh Gordon's on the field. So, you know, Jarvis Landry, I'd prefer to be my wide receiver three. Somebody's probably going to take him as their wide receiver two in PPR. Again, Josh Gordon is going to be the, your decision to make on how risky you want your team to be. Hi, Jake. And hey, Greg. the returning Greg no! Sussman. Hey, everybody. It's good to be back. I had to sing without you. It was terrible. Oh, it did not go well? I don't know. Did Jake I mean, probably did, did, did Jake sing with you? No. Absolutely not. <laughs> Couldn't. We did started he? taking the suggestions in the chat room for your new song, though. Yeah. Was there uh, any consensus? No, but there's a, good, there's a couple good suggestions. Well, we there. had some I, good ideas, and we just we keep doing this la-la-la-la thing. Listen, I was just in a meeting. <laughs> not La-la-la-la thing. I was just in this meeting, la, and, la, la, la. And, and someone comes up. He's like, dude, I love... I love the do do do's. I'm like, yeah, it's Frank's fault we don't do it anymore. It's not true. I, I swear to you, this just happened, by the way. All right, we're going to put up a poll at the end of the week. Tomorrow, we're going to try Song 2 by Blur. I've yeah, already yeah, thrown yeah. that out there. Okay, cool. Th- that's there. Jet, Are You Going to Be My Girl is there. I, oh, I don't like sabotage. that. That's not, that's not a good song. <laughs> okay, well, Sabotage was mine. Somebody said Smells Like Teen Spirit. Somebody said Let Me Clear My Throat. What do we, else do we, do we Do we look like the DMX thing says that? <laughs> No, that's DMX, a, really, Ariel Greg? Speedwagon. Who sings that? <laughs> it's not DMX. I can assure you that. I hope no. it is. No. Let me clear my throat. It's DJ Cool with a K. <laughs> right. I just Google it. <laughs> Seriously? You didn't know, Frank? He had no idea. No, he didn't even give a guess. At least I gave a guess. I mean, I know the song. Obviously, everyone knows the song. I just didn't know who sang it. I knew it wasn't DMX. That was for sure. You could do System of a Down, although I don't think you're System of a Down, guys. No, I, mean, I love I, System of a Down. I need, sing, I need sing-along stuff. Wake up. That's, that's you Jet. Are you my girl? <laughs> but like, there's, no, there's no like opening to that, though. There's no like... That's why I, I think uh, Blur 2 works out well. Right, so I, 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 I agree, totally agree with that. I, I think we should try that. Wait, I what? think Sabotage works well, too. I have to hear it. I don't remember it. That's got a really good lead-up. All right, I'll continue. Listen, we'll, I'll listen to it after the show. Sabotage is a great song. I'll listen to it after the show, 100%, Jake. And, and Prince sang it at karaoke. Screaming. If you if you jump to the middle of the song, Greg, yes. when they do the breakdown, there's a long breakdown, and it comes back, and it's just him like basically screaming. <laughs> yeah. Pretty much. There you go. Mm, all right. It's very interesting. We'll put up a poll tomorrow. Okay. It'll be, which but, but, song do you want the, it to minute, be? Wait a minute. Wait a minute. Wait a minute. Let the people decide. You're not going to be here next week. Why can't I do whatever I want? All right, so do whatever you want. Oh my God! We're gonna. Have- we have a special guest next week. Maybe, Maybe. you will be do do doing. Frank going next week. Uh, where are you, where are you going next week? I'm coming to visit you, Jake. You going to Virginia yeah. Beach? No, I'm going to Myrtle Beach. Oh, all right. Are you gonna stop on your way through? No, I will be on an airplane. Uh, which uh. no connecting flights, thank God. Are you gonna walk? Are you gonna wave? Sure, I'll wave. I'll look at the little map, the virtual map on the airplane when I'm passing over Virginia Beach, and just give you a little give it a give it a little wave. Plane that's like the size of the state. <laughs> Pretty much, yeah. Yeah. What do you guys? So I heard you talk about Jarvis Landry and uh, Josh Gordon. And whatnot. Yeah, so we were talking about Jarvis Landry, Josh Gordon, the Browns wide receiver situation a little bit. I brought up in a two QB league taking 
Jameis Winston, because he's going extremely late, he's like QB 25 off the board, and pairing him with you know, someone who's not desirable, like Dak Prescott, Ryan Tannehill, one of the Jets quarterbacks, because they have decent matchups early on in the season. So that's really all we've talked about all right. in the song. What was the fact of the day? The fact of the day had to do with uh, Jameis Winston. Winston throwing uh, his 16-game pace over the 11 games he started and finished. 4,900 yards, nearly 28 touchdowns, and I believe it's 16 interceptions, which yeah. would have made him a top-12 quarterback. Yeah, I, I had actually read that previously, um, just that you didn't realize annoyingly how good he was or how good he would have extrapolated to be. Where, where did you read that, Greg? Uh, you wrote it, didn't you, you SOB? Yeah, thank you. <laughs> you SOB. You know, it's, I, I actually had no idea it was you that wrote it, but like, <laughs> but that's how you know I actually read Jake's stuff, because I, right, I was reading, and I was like, oh, I read this really cool fact about Jameis Winston, and I guess it was Jake. Um, that's frustrating. I've no, heard. If, do not do tub thumping. If you do tub thumping, I won't watch you. We won't do tub thumping. <laughs> I'm not doing tub thumping. Chumbawamba. Oh no. I'm not gonna. Do, I will not do Chumbawamba. You have my word on that. <laughs> All right. Um, after the break, I know we're gonna talk to Virginia from from Inside Injuries. So, so Jake, I appreciate you you hanging out uh, while I was gone. So that was really helpful. So I appreciate that, buddy. Um, I know there's a whole bunch of random players that I feel like forgotten about. And not, and not just, like, guys are going at the end of drafts, either. Like, guys are going kind of early that we haven't really talked about yet, and I think people are forgetting about them, and I, I like them. So we'll talk about that. I know Frank has a couple also. So we'll take a break here. Virginia from Inside Injuries will join us. A whole bunch of injuries to talk about with her. Uh, Jake, uh, I will tomorrow's Friday. I'll talk to you next week for sure. Yeah, sounds good. Awesome. I'll be back right after this. Fantasy Best Friends Forever. Fantasy Sports Radio Network. Did you know that you can listen to this show live on the award-winning Fantasy Sports Radio Network? Listen on the iHeartRadio app, the TuneIn Radio app, or download the Fantasy Sports Radio Network app. The Fantasy Sports Radio Network is the only totally free, 24-7, 365 Fantasy Sports Network of its kind without a subscription. Check out YouTube Live on the Fantasy Sports Network YouTube page and participate in the program in there where you can ask questions, discuss the topics with other fantasy enthusiasts, or tell everyone that you disagree. Call into your favorite show and ask your question. The number is 844-84-FNTSY. That's 844-843-6879. The Fantasy Sports Radio Network, your free fantasy source, 24 hours a day. Back with you, fantasy best friends forever. Here on the Fantasy Sports Network, Frank Stample, Greg Sussman with you. A uh, major bunch of injury news has broken as well this afternoon with FanDuel um, making a huge change to their DFS football, getting rid of the kicker and bringing in an extra flex, which I know is very warranted. We all hate the kicker. We're going to dive into that a little bit later on in the show and just what it means for DFS, uh, how you're going to allocate your money. Because usually for a kicker, you would just... I think it lasts, right? Like, whatever, whatever money you have left over, you put in the kicker yeah. in a dome where it's not too windy, obviously, there's no dome. But like, if it's nice weather, no rain, wind, any of that. We would always take it for granted. You can't do that anymore. And we want to break that down for you uh, after we talk to Virginia Zockets from Inside Injuries, which we will do right now. What's going on, Virginia? Hey, guys. Good afternoon. How are you? Doing all right. We've got a gross day here in Atlanta, but doing well. Staying now, gro- gross as in rainy or gross, like, disgustingly hot? Lots and lots of rain. Oh, I'm sorry. It's grossly hot here and very sunny and very, very sunny. All right. Um, We wanted to ask you, obviously, about 
some of the major in- injuries that we have been talking about and we have noticed over this past week. And it all starts in Seattle with Doug Baldwin, who goes down with his knee injury that doctors, as of late last night, I read that's going to keep him out for all of the preseason, but he should be okay for week one. Is that the case? What is this knee injury? And is it possible it'll be a longer setback than that? So everything we've read so far says it's a sore knee, but our algorithm is actually calling it a grade two injury, which which indicates a moderate sprain of some sort. So we don't know exactly what's going on, um, but our algorithm is showing that the earliest he should return is August 27th. That means he should probably be ready to go by week one, but his injury risk right now is very high, and it'll likely stay that way at least through the first few weeks of the season. All right, so the injury is going to be high. I know you were texting in our group a few moments ago about where you value Doug Baldwin, and it was just like, there is no, there's no guarantee anymore. He was one of the safest picks in the draft, and when you lose that, it's losing a lot. Yeah, our guy, Michael Florio, was texting us uh, in the group chat, and he was asking, like, how far down are we devaluing Doug Baldwin? Like, if you're drafting tonight, a lot of drafts are going on. Corey's got his... You know, beat fantasy exec league. He's got one today. He's got one tomorrow. So lots of drafts are happening. Where do you value Doug Baldwin? I don't think you're keeping him on that 2-3 swing anymore. I think you kind of have to drop him down to maybe that 3-4 going around some guys like Amari Cooper, Allen Robinson, Larry Fitzgerald, just because at least what we have on those guys right now is that they're healthy. Allen Robinson coming off the ACL, but it looks healthy right now. By all means, Amari Cooper getting hyped up. The fact that he's gained weight. Larry Fitzgerald, one of the Ironmen in the NFL. So... This could be all for nothing, but as of right now, you kind of have to treat it like something until we have more news. Absolutely. I totally agree. You don't have a choice, in all honesty. And, yeah. I, and I say this every year with every sport. You have to be more uh, conscious of these injuries and, and not take them for granted. Yeah. Be safe. Yeah, for sure. Uh, another person we wanted to ask you about who I feel like we might have asked already, but we're getting more news now coming out, and that's Chris Thompson. The, the Redskins running back there, the pass-catching running back. Um, you know, really come out and saying he might not be 100% until November. Uh, also saying that he's going to be scared to be tackled. To me, if you're a player in the NFL, especially a running back, when you touch the ball as often as you do, you can't be scared to get tackled. So this is something that worries me. He's been injury prone dating back to his days in college. How should we be treating Chris Thompson right now? Yeah, so he's recovering from a right fibula fracture that also probably included some significant ligament damage. He had five screws and a plate inserted. Um, You know, it's no surprise that they're saying it could take him around a a year to feel 100%. That happens a lot of the time with these very serious injuries. Um, We still have him at an elevated injury risk. And what's concerning is if a player is playing kind of tentative, they're going to be putting themselves at risk for another injury. So not only is his fibula and ankle still a concern, but really any other lower body injury now, he's at a much higher risk of suffering if he's not going hard on every play. Chris Thompson, something that I was super high on. If he's not running hard on every play, that's a disaster to me. Yeah, and you know what's crazy what? about this? It's like my dad broke his leg on the job. Something similar to this. Yeah, yeah. Has plates, has, has a plate, has screws put into his leg. Mind you, he's like 30 years older than Chris Thompson. And probably just as good a shape. Probably, yeah. But he now honestly walks with a limp. Really? Yeah, and it, it's happened uh, about a year ago now. And it's something that they're Still saying... Limping. He's going to have for the rest of his life. My, he is much older, but that just speaks again, to, the, to the severity shape. of the injury when you have that plate and these screws, you know, basically put your leg back together. Well, that's, that's very, very serious and, and not something, that, again, we're taking for granted. It's scary, as I said yesterday on the show, that 
He's not saying he's 100%. Jay Green is not saying he's 100%. He looks great, but he's not there yet. All the Darius guys, baby. That makes me think a setback is very realistic, and maybe you're right, Frank. All the Darius guys. Yep. Jake spoke about when we were, we were doing roster construction during the frenzy with Corey, and he said at pick 3-4, the fourth pick in the third round, that he would consider taking Darius Geis, and Jake said it's a no-brainer. Like, that's where he's getting pushed up to, the early third round, Greg. There you go. Yep. Virginia, moving on to another Washington football player. I think you have to get to, to Josh Doxson, who has been a letdown of a player. Every year he's been in the league. He's supposed to be this red zone monster. Even Jay Gruden came out and said he's a red zone monster. But he's already hurt. Something that, different injury, but he's been injury ravaged for each of his couple of years in the NFL. Is Josh Doxson someone that we want to target this year? Um, I'd probably stay away from him, but not just because of this uh, latest shoulder injury. Scan showed it was nothing major. There's no collarbone fracture. Um, it's likely just a mild AC sprain. Um, we're showing by, you know, in around three weeks, he'll be fully healed from that. But even before camp, he had his Achilles looked at again. So he's an elevated injury risk. Health performance factor is now below average, which means he's not going to be performing anywhere near his peak ability um, just due to his Achilles, his shoulder, and all of the issues he's had so far in his career. So Josh Doxson, certainly not somebody you can rely on, which we already knew. Yeah, and speaking of someone you can't rely on, someone that we have been able to rely on, plays for the Tennessee Titans, and that's wide receiver Rashard Matthews. The past couple of years, he's been incredibly reliable. He goes late in drafts. Uh, he really has looked like the go-to option for Mar- Marcus Mariota in this offense, but randomly placed on the pup list now during the preseason, and uh, teammate Tywan Taylor picking up more hype here. How worried should we be about Rashard Matthews and his availability for the start of the regular season? I'm going to say we should be pretty worried here simply because we have no idea what's going on. Um, I've read a lot of reports on this, and all I've found is that something likely started you know, earlier this summer. We don't know what body part it is. We don't know how serious it is. But if he's on the PUP list and he's not practicing at all, I think that's a definite cause for concern. Um, also, we need to remember that he's missed le- nine games in the last four seasons, most recently with the hamstring strain. He's also had some pretty serious rib fractures. So... Um, he's got, you know, somewhat concerning injury uh, history, and now that we don't have any idea what's going on, um, you know, it's it's hard to say that he's a guy that you should draft. We're talking to Virginia Zakis from Inside Injuries. Always happy to have her and Dr. A and the whole crew over at Inside Injuries uh, on our show to help us fill in all the details of what we know and what we don't know. And that Rashard Matthews kind of fits in that category, Frank. We didn't know anything about him. We were shocked when we saw him on the pup. And there's not enough information out there to make it a, a rational decision. Yeah, and you even heard it from Virginia herself. Like, she looked up reports. There's, we don't even know what body part is injured for yeah, Rashard Matthews. Crazy. It's very unknown injury. It's kind of a weird thing that's going on there in Tennessee camp. But someone who is benefiting from it is Taiwan Taylor, who we're seeing starting to get pushed up a little bit higher going late in drafts. But someone who's gaining a little bit of hype here. Aaron Jones, Virginia, fighting for a role in that Green Bay backfield. Um, we know he's suspended in the first two weeks. We know he's competing with Jamal Williams for snaps. He's a bit nicked up in training camp. How serious is his injury? Um, not too concerned about his injury at this point. We're showing just a one-week optimal recovery time. Um, he's about to be back at a low injury risk as well. So definitely worth keeping an eye on him over the next week or two when he does return. But... So far, um, it looks like he's going to be okay. Right, that's pretty good. 
Yes, it is. And I think we're about to break new ground, Greg. I don't know that we've ever asked about an offensive lineman here, here on go. the Fantasy Sports Network. Let's do it. With inside injuries. But I think a very, very interesting case here, someone who is very important to his team, uh, what we consider an elite offensive line. I've talked about my love for Marshawn Lynch this year. I think he's an underrated fantasy asset, but he does need that offensive line to be whole in front of him. And one of those cogs there is offensive tackle Donald Penn, who is recovering from Liz Frank's surgery that he had back in December. Now, mind you, Donald Penn, being a bigger guy, needs his feet to be completely healthy in order to play this season. Uh, he's on the active PUP list to start the training uh, to start training camp. How worried should we be about his availability for the start of the season? Because we need that Raiders offensive line to be whole, Virginia. Yeah, so he's recovering from a Liz Frank uh, tear, which is pretty serious, but he has hit his healthy return date. Um, we're actually showing he's already back at a low injury risk. Um, I think he's going to be ready to go week one, but don't be surprised if he misses a few practices throughout the year, deals with some soreness at some point, maybe even um, another mild lower body strain, like an issue with his calf. Um, but so far, it's looking like he should be okay as long as they continue to bring him back slowly. Let's go, Greggy. We need a healthy Raiders <laughs> offensive line yeah, for yeah. John Gruden and the boys. One more football question I, I have for you, Virginia, uh, and that's with Kevin White. We've wanted to ask you guys about him for a, a little while now uh, because this is probably his last shot. He was taken in the early part of the first round. He's never been healthy. Uh, I read previously this offseason that Kevin White was the, the – sorry, the coaches in Chicago were showing him tape of West Virginia being like, listen, dude, this is what you were. Let's get back to this. We know he has some, some motivational issues. What's going on with him physically? So I was very surprised when I saw this, but he just passed back into the low injury risk at 11%. Really? Oh, wow. Yeah, I think mainly it's because scapular fracture, he's had a year now, that should be fully healed. It should not be an issue anymore. Um, of course, he had that stress fracture to his shin and the fibula fracture, but um, really hoping he's good to go. Our numbers look uh, pretty promising on him. I That's very surprising. Kevin White, yeah, I mean... You gonna get in now? I... I don't think I'm going to get it. maybe in a best ball, like one of your last round picks. We don't know. Is he going to start on the outside? Is that going to be Taylor Gabriel as the deep threat for the Bears? They already have Allen Robinson. They drafted Anthony Miller, who we expect to be in the slot. Maybe there's a chance he can win that starting outside wide receiver job. But regardless, I think there's going to be too many mouths to feed okay. on the Bears. Uh, and this guy has just been injured year in and year out. It's an encouraging sign, uh, the report that we're getting from Virginia. But I just don't know how fantasy relevant he still could be this season. Okay, fair enough. I'm going to let you do the next question. Oh, you want me, you want me to jump yes. in on the, the baseball action, which we obviously both have ties to. Yes, this is a fantasy football show, but look, it's Yankees-Red Sox. They're starting a four-game series tonight, and Virginia, we wanted to ask you about our guy, Aaron Judge, who actually uh, suffered a fractured wrist, was it? Fractured hand, something in that vicinity. He got hit by a pitch and broke a bone. Uh, they said he can't take swings for three weeks. Now, that happened a week ago today, I believe, uh, so he can't take swings for two weeks. That means he probably won't be back for like another three or four, correct? Yeah, so it was a chip fracture to his right wrist. Um, this isn't as serious as most other kinds of fractures, oh. but we are still showing a seven-week optimal recovery time. Seven That's weeks. what the fully heal. Um, now, at this point, he's expected to shut down all baseball activities for three weeks, even though he's already said he's pain-free, which is a good sign. Um, but if he's shutting down all baseball activities for three weeks, they got to think it's going to be at least another week after that before he returns. And it's unlikely his power is back to normal for at least a couple of months. 
What? That is not what we wanted to what? hear. What? <laughs> God damn it. What? Oh, great. Seven weeks. The Yankees told me three. <laughs> Seven weeks. And his power is not going to be back for a couple of months. There's not that much time left in this season, Virginia. <laughs> Sorry, guys. <laughs> Next, you're going to tell me that foot, hand, and mouth disease is going to keep Jay half out for months. I sure hope not. I'm actually surprised he even landed on the DL, to be honest. So he should be back soon. Just just one missing one start, hopefully. Yeah, I don't know if you saw that, Greg. It was while you were away taking care of business. They actually placed Jay Happ on the DL. I did see that. Louis Cecil will start on Saturday for the New York Yankees. Oh, against the Red Sox. What can go wrong? Virginia, what is hand, foot, and mouth disease? <laughs> so it's a childhood virus. Typically, you don't see it in adults. Um, but it shouldn't take more than, you know, really a week for him to recover from. Usually you get like a fever. Um, you don't feel great for a little while, but nothing too serious. All right, so we'll be fine. Uh, just because it is Yankees-Red Sox this weekend, and, you know, we, we have a stake in that. Let me ask this. On Red Sox pitcher Chris Sale, he had the disabled list with shoulder inflammation, and all Red Sox fans went absolutely wild. The Red Sox then corrected their report saying it's, Mild inflammation. They're trying to, you know, make everybody calmer. How serious is this shoulder inflammation with Chris Sale? Well, you never want to see, um, you know, your ace land on the DL with any sort of an issue with their throwing arm. Um, this one does seem pretty mild. We're showing a three-week optimal recovery time. One of the reasons is because this is something he uh, supposedly has been dealing with over the last few weeks, um, which, again, is a huge surprise considering how well he's been pitching. But if he shuts things down for a few weeks and slowly starts to throw again, um, by the end of August, he should be back to normal, and this won't really be a long-term concern. Not, not like he'll lose his fastball for seven weeks? Nothing, nothing like that? Let's hope not. Uh, disagree, but that's fine. I'm getting the hunch that Virginia just hates the Yankees. I kind of feel the same Oh, Aaron Judge is not going to get his power back for months. Chris Sale? Yeah, he'll be fine for the postseason. Don't worry about it. She's silent. They're definitely not my favorite team. <laughs> <laughs> that's fair fair enough Virginia Zagas we always appreciate the time thank you so much for stopping by let's do it again soon yeah thank y'all oh, have there, a good one there you go Virginia, Virginia Zagas uh, from the fine people at Inside Injuries um, alright so the judge news is not good so the football stuff is good though yeah and I don't know if you got any of the other news that came out Greg that Eric Decker signing with the Patriots like I missed that how many wide rec- how many white wide receivers can you have in your team and then Brandon LaFell got cut by the Bengals maybe he'll go back to the Patriots too or was that Brandon Lloyd that was on the Patriots? It was Brandon Lloyd. It was both. Okay. At different stints in time, different, I think. Different times. <laughs> yeah. Mm-hmm. So was, but they signed Eric Decker before Brandon Lafell got cut, so that doesn't seem very likely. Unless they pull a um, Ryan Grant. Yeah. Oh, oh, sorry, Eric Decker. You didn't pass your physical. Brandon Lafell. That's so brutal. Get over here. That's so brutal. <laughs> That's so brutal. Does that take, the Eric Decker signing, does that take any of the shine off Chris Hogan for you? Absolutely not. Okay. Yeah. I'm just getting more and more excited about Br- Chris Hogan. I just, I, I don't want, and I feel like it's happening, like everyone's starting to push him up as well. As long as I can continue getting him in the fifth round, if he starts to push into like that fourth round range, I'm out. But fifth round, I'm okay with it. Hey, um, by the way, uh, I have you have a minute or so to the break. Cole Calhoun had another home run last night. How about that? How about that? Holy Calhoun, red hot, man. Scorching Like the color of his hair. Well, it's not that red. He's he's, like orangish? I'd say he's hotter than the color of his hair. Really? Yeah. In like... Fire's orangey red. I see Cole like the same color as Cole Calhoun's hair. You think so? I, I, I thought it was more like a blondish. Yeah, that's why I thought it was more blondish. It's not like Clint Fraser red, is it? It's not Clint Fraser red, dude. Oh, this is pretty red, dude. Look at that. That's red, but like that doesn't look that red. 
It's all about the picture, man. Yeah. Look at this picture. Yeah. All right. So there's your Cole Calhoun update. When we get back from the break, I want to get into this FanDuel stuff because it is monster news. I think we need to kind of break it down for you. Um, we also, I want to start getting into some of the players that we haven't talked about enough. It's going to carry over to tomorrow as well, Frankie. Um, oh, man. I don't think we're going to duel because we have we're going to duel tomorrow. We do tomorrow. We duel tomorrow? It's time to do 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 we have a really fun show planned for you tomorrow. Frank should want to do it for days, but I've been holding them off. Days. I'm telling you it's well worth it. Uh, when we come back, let's hit on the FanDuel news. Let's talk about some players we haven't gotten a chance to yet uh, because you need to know them for one reason or another. Your fantasy best friends forever. Frank Stample, Greg Sussman. We roll on right after this. Have you ever wanted to have a fantasy expert in the palm of your hand? Or better yet, in the pocket of your khakis? Well, check it out. Now you can. It's the Fantasy Sports Radio Network app. Download it now to your phone. We promise no weird viruses, no strange tracking things. Just 24 hours a day, seven days a week of pure fantasy knowledge dropping all over your head. It's the Fantasy Sports Radio Network app. Stop being a weirdo and streaming it online. Get it on your phone. Take it with you everywhere you go. Fantasy Best Friends Forever here on the Fantasy Sports Radio Network. Frank Stample, Greg Sussman here with you. And guys, FanDuel has made a massive, massive change to their fantasy, daily fantasy football game. And we got to break it down because it's that big of a deal to me. Um, you play daily fantasy football. I know that, Frank. You're into it. Yep. And I've always been, honestly, partial to FanDuel. I think it's cleaner than DraftKings, honestly. But one thing I didn't like about FanDuel was a effing kicker. Yeah. Like, I have, I have joined Jake Seeley's movement. Originally, I was like, listen, kicker's part of the game. They score points. Why wouldn't, why wouldn't you have a kicker in it? But the more people have talked about it, it's, it's simply arbitrary. Having a kicker is an arbitrary, for the most part, player that there isn't much control over. Like, if the, you can't predict an offense essentially stalling as much as it does. You, can't, you can predict weather, no doubt, but you cannot predict kicker as well as you can predict other positions you look at all of um the formulas all of the math all of the systems that people use to properly predict lineups none of those involve kickers because it is more random than anything else dfs has always been a game of skill and a lot of fantasy experts have say the best way to test skill is to add more positions when you add more positions it makes it challenging and it takes the luck out of it even more and that is what FanDuel has done as of today FanDuel has decided that they are getting rid of the kicker and adding a flex so their lineup will be one quarterback two running backs three wide receivers a tight end a flex, and a defense. This is basically very, very similar to your standard uh, season-long fantasy lineups of three wide receivers, a tight end, uh, and a flex with two running backs. They are not changing the salaries. It's still sixty grand, so about uh, $6,666 uh, per player. So you're going to have to manage the money better now. A whole lot going on. FanDuel, massive change. Yeah, and I agree with what you said about kickers, Greg. Look, what we do is we try our best using the knowledge that we have, uh, the knowledge from others, statistical advantages to project and really predict the future. 
And that it's hard enough to do with offensive players, quarterbacks, running backs, wide receivers, tight ends, and then taking a whole defense. It's hard enough to project it for that, but then to also throw a kicker in the mix, like you said, it's just impossible to predict. Uh, even the best teams, you know, if they score a bunch of touchdowns, yeah, that's fine and all. You're only going to get extra points for it. It's really hard to predict when teams are going to stall in the red zone, which will allow them to get field goals. And then not only that, right outside the red zone so that you get 50-yard field goals so you can get even more fantasy points. So I think this is a great job by FanDuel. I love the roster construction that they have there. It's really your standard QB, two uh, running backs, three wide receivers. You have the flex, the tight end, uh, and the defense, which is you know what we've been doing for you know the Who to Draft series, the whiteboard series. This is really the standard nowadays for what your fantasy lineup looks like. I love the fact that it's half-point PPR, so I think this is a great move by FanDuel. I think... They're doing the right thing, moving in the right direction, getting rid of the kicker, hashtag band kickers. Jake Silly would be so happy. Yeah, FanDuel has gotten in on the movement, and in their promotional video that they put out when they ultimately made this decision, they took all of like the Twitter comments of, WTF, why do we have a kicker? Or, replace the kicker, we want an extra flex, get rid of the kicker. And they combined all that, and they're giving the people what they want. Like, I respect, in all honesty... Somebody just going out and giving the people what they want. If you guys want the dudes back, we'll bring them back. That's what the people want, right, Frank? If that's what they want, we'll put a poll out. We'll ask people what they want. Can you include that in our poll? I will include do do do. If you want do 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 back, vote on the poll, and we will bring it back. But just to continue on the kicker conversation, you have to remember, people are playing for a lot of money here, a lot of money on the line, and yes, it is a game of skill because we've seen a year in, year out, some of the top players who continue to win – it's skill-based. Like, they know yeah. what they're doing. Correct. Year in and year out. The one thing they don't know kickers. is kickers. Yeah. So, yeah. with that much money being involved uh, in this game of skill, I have no problem taking the kicker out of the game. How is it going to change how you set your lineup now? Because, as I, as I kind of said before, for me, all right, I'm going to put in the, essentially the cheapest kicker and the cheapest defense that I could find. That's still reasonable, right? Like, I'm not going to pick the Browns against the Patriots or anything like that. I'm not going to take the Browns kicker. But anything that's semi-reasonable for a kicker in a dome that's cheap, I'm going to do it. And then save as much money as possible. That's no longer an option. So really the only place that you can save every week now is the defense. That's going to change uh, quite a bit. Yeah, I think what it's going to do is it's going to force people to be even more creative than before because the way to save salary is to use those chalk-type players who are all right, this guy, uh, let's say Alvin Kamara is out this week. We want to play, you know, whoever's going to start in his place. That's going to be the chalk play at running back. But, you know, if you play in tournament formats, not everybody can have the same chalk play. You got to find ways to be creative. So I think it is going to force players to be a little bit more creative here. Maybe we see, you know, more usage of chalk players because people need to free up some more salary. Maybe you're not paying up for quarterback as much. I think it ultimately what it's going to do, Greg, is just force people to be more creative and try and come up with more, you know, unique combinations that other people aren't looking into. Okay, so there you go. Uh, for more information, you can uh, certainly uh, watch our network. We're going to have a whole lot more coverage on this. FanDuel uh, getting rid of their kicker in order to give you an extra flex, giving the people what they want. More positions, more fun, more strategy, more winning. There you go. Frank, I want to get into some of these players you may put in your FanDuel lineup. Some of these guys that you may want to draft on your season-long teams. And some of the players that, well, not enough people are talking about. And, and that is going to lead me to Philadelphia. Where, in the running game, you've heard a lot about Corey Clement. People are very, very high on. 
People are very high on Darren Sproles returning. And yet nobody's high on Jay Ajayi this year. Nobody likes Jay Ajayi. Nobody wants Jay Ajayi. This is a dude that was a second-round pick last year, traded from Miami to Philly, got there, and I thought, kind of did his job. Where is Jay Ajayi going right now? He's consistently going in the late fourth round, mid to late fourth round. What am I missing? Um, I think the fact that Doug Peterson is the coach for the Philadelphia Eagles, he's always really run a system where he uses multiple running backs, and that's why you know, everything that I've said about the Eagles running game is I am not drafting Jay Ajayi. He, if we do a show during the preseason here, a do-not-draft list, Jay Ajayi will lead that list for me just because Doug Peterson employs a committee approach where he uses multiple running backs. Corey Clement is going to be in the mix there. They brought Darren Sproles back for a reason. He's going to catch passes out of the backfield. You know, just look at what he's done year in and year out. Ryan Matthews, okay, he scored a, a couple of touchdowns when he was around. He was the goal line back, but he would have someone that he would use between the 20s. You would randomly get guys like Wendell Smallwood come in for a goal line carry. You would get Kenyon Barner come in for a random goal line carry, and it would be incredibly frustrating. I don't want to forget that this time of year. I feel like last season we were continuously trying to remind ourselves, next year, do not draft the Eagles running backs. Well, do not draft the Eagle running back that is going the highest, and especially right now, Jay Ajayi in the fourth round, like, Lunt was going in the 7th, 8th, ninth round last year. You have to pay a 4th round price tag for Jay Ajayi. I'd rather take a shot on, you know, the Corey Clement going in the double-digit rounds, the Darren Sproles who's going RB71 off the board right now, according to Fantasy Pros. Maybe he doesn't have a huge workload, but in a PPR league as a bi-week replacement, Darren Sproles strikes me as a guy who's probably being forgotten about right now. So, I, I, so where I think is, I think Jay Ajayi is also being forgotten about, to be perfectly honest with you. Because he's going in the late fourth round. I get what you're saying, that it's Doug Peterson, that there's always so many running backs there that you can't trust any of them. But I don't think any of the running backs that have been in Philadelphia are, are quite simply as good as Jay Ajayi. He came over in the middle of the year last year. You can't, I don't think, expect to him to go off when he's just coming over to a new system, a new coach, the whole deal. So I, I, I think that when you put a guy of this talent, and I know we always talk about the bone-on-bone condition of his knee, and, and that's fair, but I'm not ask, asking you to take him in a dynasty league or a keeper league or, or anything like that. I, I think that what you need to do is just have him for uh, one season. And I think he's going to be the guy that gets touchdowns this year. He's going to be the guy that's in there on certainly first and second down. Maybe third down is a ton of Darren Sproles, and they're going to be going to hurry up, and you'll see more Corey Clement that's going to give you the mix. But I think J.J. is just being a little bit underdrafted here. That's fair. I mean, you can have him in every draft that we're in together, that we're not sharing a team together. You can have. I don't think, I don't think any of those. You could have JHI on the teams that we are sharing. I guarantee you, he will not be on any of them. I just think. Will uh, Darren Sproles? As a late round, like one of your last picks in a full point PPR, I have no problem with it. I don't think there's there's not much downside. There's not much upside. He's gonna give you, you know, he's gonna give you a high floor, uh, but never has a huge ceiling either. He's just like a PPR bi week re- replacement, in my opinion. I'd rather take a shot on a. Ronald Jones, maybe even a Kenyon Drake, a Royce Freeman. I'll wait around and take him. Uh, wait three rounds and take a Marshawn Lynch, Greg. I, I just I don't like the Jake price that you have to pay. Jake right was now. actually retweeting out about Terrell Davis going off about Royce Freeman and how everyone's starting to notice how good this dude is. By the way, it's going to happen. Devonte Park, uh, Devonte Booker is not in my opinion, a starting caliber running back. They've tried that before. Uh, He has not had much success in the NFL. Maybe he can be a good third-down replacement, a good pass catcher out of the backfield, but people don't realize this about Royce Freeman. He actually caught the ball at college, too. In Oregon, he was a great pass catcher and a great 
uh, actually uh, legit running back, running between the tackles, bouncing it to the outside. I think he could do everything. The more people start to realize that, he's another guy who's going to start to get pushed up into the fourth round. I think so, too. He's kind of in that Ronald Jones territory. Yes, he is. Yeah. So you will put another name on here that you have talked about in the past, but I I kind of haven't really bought in. I was wondering if you would be able to sell me. And that's Kelvin Benjamin, who, who you know is going off the board right now at wide receiver 48, which means he's basically a wide receiver five. So he's not costing you all that much. Of course, Kelvin Benjamin, the longtime Carolina Panther, came over to Buffalo midway through the year. People don't like Kelvin Benjamin because they remember him, number one, being out of shape. Number two, having a major, major knee surgery and then coming back and just having perennial knee soreness. Number three, well, who the hell is the quarterback in Buffalo? Buffalo is not a sexy offense, not a sexy team. Nobody really wants anything to do with Buffalo, especially given what's going on with LaShawn McCoy. But while I understand all of that, I think we just swung a little bit too far the other way when it comes to Kelvin Benjamin. Yeah, a guy who's going outside the top 40 at the wide receiver position right now. And what you said about the quarterback position, we don't know who it's going to be, McCarron, Josh Allen, but this is purely a volume play in my opinion, Greg. I think... If he's healthy, he's going to see at least 120 targets. And that's a floor, in my opinion. He could be anywhere. He could be 140, 150 targets. Last year, the lowest player with at least 120 targets was Des Bryant, who finished wide receiver 24. Right. He had 132 targets. So if you're telling me that this guy has top 30 upside and he's being drafted outside the basically number 40 50. wide receivers, yeah. yeah, just makes sense to me. I think so, I know too. it might not look sexy, but... Even if it's just a bi-week replacement, you're getting him as your wide receiver four or five most of the time anyway. Yeah. So, again, I'm not super in on Kelvin Benjamin. It doesn't sound like you are either. It's just, it's just gone too far. That's all it is. It's a value play. Yeah. It's, it's an opportunity. It's a volume play here for... Look, even if Mike Florio was here, he would tell you, look, the, the Bills quarterbacks are going to suck. But they might be in some shootouts, some games that they're trailing, and when they have to throw the ball, I think a lot of that is going to go to Kelvin Benjamin. What have we said for years? Tyrod Taylor never had any weapons. Right. It's Charles Clay. He's going to get banged up at some point. They have Zay Jones. What is he going to do? Stink. LaShawn McCoy might catch a couple of passes out of the backfield. If he's around. If he's around. It's going to be Kelvin Benjamin. He's going to be the guy there. Is he healthy? I should ask Virginia about him. Probably should have asked him. That was a mistake on our side. He was was mostly healthy last year, I feel. I think he had some, some... I think he was just banged up. I remember we thought he was going to be out for the season at one point, and then he just was back. Well, let's, rem- let's remember this and ask her next week. Or I'll, I'll ask her next week because you, you won't be here. I'll, I'll be watching. Maybe. I'll try. You, we have five minutes to go, and I wanted to make sure we got this in today. You told me late yesterday or this morning, Greg, I'm, I'm talking myself into Jordan Reed. I'm like, dude, what are you doing? Why are you doing this? And you explained all the reasons why anyone would be in on Jordan Reed. Number one, he's really good. Number two, Alex Smith always relies on his tight end. Number three, Jay Gruden makes the tight end a massive part of his offense, obviously. What you, of course, failed to mention is that this dude has 17 concussions in his past. He has a toe that's permanently broken. And at some point, he's going to probably hurt his shoulder because he hasn't done that yet. Why are you going to pay anything for Jordan Reed? thing is, you don't have to pay much, Greg. He's going at pick 86 right now. He's the ninth tight end off the board. I've seen him go, go later than that. I've seen him go around the 100 range in some of my drafts. I just think it's going a little bit too far. Same thing as Kelvin Benjamin. Last year, Jordan Reed was going, you know, fourth, fifth round. Now you're getting him in that maybe seventh, eighth, ninth round range for Jordan Reed. And really, honestly, Scott Barrett of Pro Football Focus, I read an article about him, and he said, the way to win your league at the tight end position is you draft Jordan Reed in whatever it is, the 7th, 8th round. Yeah. You draft Vernon Davis with your last pick. Any time that 
For the record, Jordan after, Reed. After Frank read that line by Scott Barrett, he immediately emailed him and tried to get him on the show. I did. I did. We'll, we'll, we'll try and figure it out. <laughs> <laughs> I did get a response. I'll talk to you about it off the air. Okay. Uh, but I think any time that Jordan Reed misses, Vernon Davis will step in, and maybe he won't play to the caliber that Jordan Reed does, but those two are going to be able to combine whenever Jordan Reed isn't healthy for a top 12, probably top 10 tight end this season, and I truly believe that. So you're okay. I don't want to say wasting, but like you're essentially using two spots for one guy. And I understand. Yeah. like, But it's we- like your seventh and your 16th. Correct. Yep. But Jay talks about that Greg Jennings theory that you want to use your bench for, for youth and for guys that could absolutely explode. When you own Jordan Reed, you have to hold on to Vernon Davis, is what you're saying. Or a tight end like Vernon Davis, right? You have to hold on to a second tight end. A lot of teams won't do that. Like, a lot of teams will just keep one tight end, maybe two if they're platooning. But, like, you're forcing yourself into locking a bench spot, and that scares me. I... I get what you're saying, but at the tight end position where it's so hard to come across production. And There's we know, a lot of guys out there this year, I think. I know. like He's going in a similar range as Kyle Rudolph, Trey Burton. I'll take those guys ahead of Jordan Reed. So the one you'll but, never, so you're never going to draft Jordan Reed then? No, I, but there I'm are gonna, times where, what if I miss out on one of those guys? If I try to chance it and wait till the eighth round, right. and then Trey Burton doesn't make it back to and me, Kyle, the next man up for me is Jordan Reed, and I wouldn't have a problem doing it, Greg. See, that's where I disagree. I think, Why is that? I think it's the eighth round. And Kyle Rudolph goes for whatever reason. Trey Burton, your boy, goes off the board for whatever reason. If Jordan Reed is a top tight end and he's staring at you, you're going to go in a different direction. That's not true. I'll do it. Prove it. I'll do it in the draft today. What do you want me to do? Like, I'm telling you I'll do it. What I'll, I say I'm going to do is what I do, Greg. Have you done? Have you picked him in any of your whiteboard series yet? I have not. Okay. Do you have according done? to ADP, I could get Trey Burton in the eighth <laughs> round of every draft. <laughs> uh, so the whiteboard series. I've I'm taking Jordan Reed today in what, one of them. What pick, <laughs> what pick is up next? I think pick two or three. I commented back on someone who was asking on one of the posts. I'll check it out. It's either two or three. Okay. It'll be an early pick. So that'll be out later today. Uh, Frank is humming through these. We have one to come in today. Uh, at least one coming tomorrow as well. We're making our way through the top 12. The Whiteboard Series is absolutely fantastic. No matter what pick you have in the draft, you got to check out Frank's series as he goes through the first eight rounds of your fantasy draft, which fills out your starting lineup. Uh, there's no one better at kind of speculating who's going to be there and then putting the pieces together, Frank's trying to make your life much easier. Yeah, and Corey had me on the Fantasy Football Frenzy for a segment today. We were talking roster construction. He wanted me up here because I've been doing the series, and he said that he has picks two, three, four in pretty much all of the drafts he's done so far. Right. So we were talking about roster construction, really diversifying your team. So was the person that left the comment, Corey? Was that, was that the guy who Probably. left the comment? Okay. No, I don't know. <laughs> but we were talking about you know whether or not, if you have an early pick, do you diversify it to the point where you pass on a workhorse to take Antonio Brown? Which running backs are available in round two and three? It was a pretty good discussion. Check out the Frenzy and check out the Frankie's Whiteboard Series. We'll be back tomorrow. Uh, the goal is to duel with some ADPs. We also have a bunch of unnamed players that we want to talk about. So that'll be fun. For Frank Stanfield, I am Greg Sussman. I want to thank Virginia Zakis and Jake Seeley for joining us. We're going to do it all again tomorrow. We, we hope. hope.